Hey friends, it's Mike from Theology on Mission podcast. Now is the time to apply and become a student at Northern Seminary. We are giving away $50 gift cards to Amazon for everyone who enrolls this fall. And for those of you who become a student in the Theology and Mission program, we'll send you a copy of Fitch's new book, What is the Church and Why Does It Matter? So go to the show notes, click on TM Apply. That's seminary.edu backslash TM Apply. And I'll get in contact with you. Me and our missions team will set up an appointment and we'll get you enrolled in classes this fall. Okay, thanks for listening. Hey everybody, it's uh, it's Dave Fitch trying to get his radio voice back. The music's kind of loud, Mike Moore. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, here we are, Theology on Mission podcast, where theology engages the issues of culture for Christ and his mission. Oh, okay. How it was that for an intro? It's good. Uh, the tagline changes every time we do it. Well, you know... We're in our new studio. It's, I think, the first time we've been in here. Yeah. And you didn't bring the little logo thing no, that, I did not. that we used for like two years. By, I by can't logo thing, it. I think you mean a, a piece of paper with a word scribbled on it. Oh, by the way, you're not coming in very good. Okay. Are you hearing yourself good? I can hear myself. All right. So it must be me. Uh, that's that's the old man's problem again, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll turn myself up. Well, anyways, folks, welcome back to Theology on Mission podcast, and um, it's uh, August. I heard yes. somebody say August is, if it were a day in the week, it would be Sunday. August would be huh. the Sunday of the months. It's kind of like the 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 day before everything starts all over again. Yeah, September, yeah, that's good. and we're all trying to hold on and make it last as long as possible. That's right. I, I can't believe that summer's almost over. Summer's almost over. Oh, it's been a good summer. And Northern's about ready to kick. Let's in do the it. Gear. Yes. We have a special guest. We do, and she's uh, soon to become a regular at Northern Seminary. That's right. Her name is Beth Felker Jones, mm-hmm. and she is the theology professor at Northern Seminary. Welcome, Beth, to the studio. Glad to be with y'all. Yeah, and and uh, what is your your title, by the way? Did they give you a special title? I believe my title is professor of theology. Hey, that's a very very catchy title, I isn't like it, it, Mike? Moore? That's great. <laughs> it describes what I do pretty well. <laughs> Absolutely, very, yeah. So, some jobs you kind of get these made up titles uh, where. I think people just kind of make them up to uh, to sound nice, but yours is very descriptive of your of your actual job. You're here in Northern teaching theology. Yeah, I'm excited I don't to have even, you here. I don't even know what my my title is. We won't go into it. We, uh, it'll it'll <laughs> completely take over the podcast. But my title is completely not descriptive, although I've worked with it a little bit. Anyways, um, I want to talk a little bit about theology at <clears throat> at Northern Seminary and what. You, Beth Felger Jones, brings to theology at Northern Seminary. Um, you know, I was before uh, coming into the new studio. By the way, I, there's no soundboards or anything. No? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's is pretty that on bare, purpose? pretty bare bones on purpose. Mm, okay, that's another topic for another time. <laughs> before coming into the studio, 
Beth, I was looking at my systematic theology part of my library. It's quite large, if I do say so myself. <laughs> uh, you know, there's Aquinas, there's Luther, there's, there's Calvin, there's Wesley, there's, then there's the modern dudes, the, uh, the Robert Jensen, the, the Paul Tillichs, the Bartz. Stan Grins is in there, but it's like one skinny volume. Uh, you know, uh, we could go on and on. Basically, a litany of white dudes. I mean, I do have Amos Young in there, and and I do have um, Gu- Gustavo Gutierrez. I do have uh, James Evans. But by and large, uh, a long history of dominating white men. And then there's Beth Felker Jones <laughs> up there. Um, do have Sarah Coakley up there too, by the way. Um, I'm, but anyways, uh, what is... Like Beth Felker Jones, woman theologian, coming after all these white men, is that an accurate? Do you ever feel that as a theologian? Sure, uh, theology is definitely, or at least has been, a male-dominated field in most ways. But we have voices going all the way back, right, uh, to Monica and Macrina and Julian of Norwich and various medieval mystic women. And I think one of the most exciting things about contemporary systematic theology is that the people I would say, almost all who are at the top of the field right now are women. Catherine Tanner, Mm -hmm. Catherine Sonderegger, Sarah Coakley, um, people doing amazing work and uh, bringing with them their experience as uh, women. Yes, yes. Um, And so, uh, by the way, uh, Beth Felker Jones is the author of Practicing Christian Doctrine. It's a intro text yep. to systematic theology. I think we've been using that for it is how required, many years here? Required reading here. I think for at least the last five years. Before Beth Felker Jones ever arrived on campus, <clears throat> right. this has been the required text. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And and um, I've read Mark of His Wounds. Yeah. Your dissertation back at Duke, back many years ago, and Faithful: A Theology of Sex. Uh, and 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 you have other writings as well. And a new uh, course based on Faithful is now available with Seminary Now. That's Seminary right. Now. Yeah. Yeah, you both have uh, shows, I was going to say, on Seminary Now. Yeah. I don't know the right yeah, we <laughs> classes. Have, I think we have like 40 or 50 courses on there. That's right. But you know, Scott McKnight was the number one like thing there for a oh, while. Yes. Number one. Who overtook him? I can't imagine. And then there was this guy, Dave Fitch, who oh. overtook him for like three straight months. <laughs> the first I shall be last, the last shall going, be first. I got a feeling that's going to be ended soon Yeah, with a, the woman who's in the room and her course. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, that I'll be, I'll be fine. I, it's good. Humility is good. Yes. yes Being humbled is. is good. What's the unique driver for you um, in your theology? Well, if that's a good way to say it. Hmm. When I was doing my graduate work, I got really interested in the way the body relates to theology in so very many ways. And that's remained a really important focus for me uh, through mm-hmm. the years and continues to be a part of my writing even as I as I work on other topics. But I really just love the whole thing. Uh, it's really fun to teach the intro class and help yeah. students think about how the big picture fits together and uh, how the beginning relates to the end, and how if you change things in the middle, it's going to muck with the whole thing as mm. well. So uh, I like doctrine. 
which is very nerdy of me. Uh, and it's a fun life. Yeah. Uh, so you like doctrine. You like it. Um, uh, you think it's important. Um, Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and and maybe maybe what I'm saying is is obvious to people out there in Radio Land. Mm-hmm. Of course, doctrine's important. But and we're going to do a podcast after this one about pastoral care and the role of theology in pastoral yeah. care. Um, I think um, a lot of us are asking: Is doctrine important? <laughs> and and why is it important? Like, why is theology important? Do pastoral leaders need to know their theology and why? Yeah, it's a great question and one I could talk about for a long time. I think that the idea of doctrine gets a bad reputation in the present context because it's associated with dogmatism, right, um, and with kind of unyielding boundaries which refuse to see other points of view and uh, which often cause a lot of harm. But doctrine itself is just uh, the basic building blocks of Christian thought and life. I hope that wasn't my computer. That was mine. Sorry. Um, and I want to help my students see how being competent in doctrine uh, will matter for every aspect of ministry, not just preaching, though one likes to hear good doctrine in a sermon, uh, but in pastoral care, in teaching, in prayer, in worship. Uh, all these things are are woven together uh, with the great truths of the Christian faith. Um, If we don't want to use the word doctrine, we can just use themes or teachings. Uh, They're beautiful and they're important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, Mike, maybe you could riff on this, but it seems like doctrine has taken a back seat in the formation of American Protestantism, evangelicalism. You know, we started preaching... Uh, what do you call that? Um, uh, sermons that are uh, series that are based on felt needs. Mm-hmm. Yep. How does Jesus answer your need? And it's kind of like doctrine took a backseat to yeah. pragmatics. I was gonna, I was going to ask you about that, Beth. It, what I've noticed is a little bit of a shift from the head more to you know the heart or to the hands. Um, you know, this guy here, even or to it, the body, or to the body. And that's one of your areas of expertise. Even your book focuses heavily on the practices of the church. Uh, I don't think it does that at, uh, to the expense of good doctrine. But Beth, why do you think there has been a, a shift, if we are describing it accurately, from more doctrine to more practice? Mm-hmm. I think it does depend what tradition you're in as well. So some of the traditions, church traditions, like to give lectures more than others. But I do think there has been a, a shift in that direction. And I think it also has to do with this uncomfortable sense that dogmatism uh, has done a lot of harm in hmm. the church. Um, the title of my my intro doctrine book, Practicing Christian Doctrine, right, focuses on how these things really don't have to be split up. I want to think about head and heart and hands all together mm-hmm. um, and the way that it forms a unified whole. And you need sort of beautiful basics in thinking Christianly in order to, uh, to live that whole, to teach that whole, um, to rely on that whole when you don't know what else to do. Hmm. 
All right, so I have a theory that I'd like to test out on Beth that is going to follow up on what she just said. <laughs> okay. I think, like, I come from, I come from evangelicalism, kind of a Pentecostal holiness feeling. Okay, and I think that mainstream evangelicalism, starting with the megachurches in the late 70s, the way we put together understanding the truth is, oh, Bible's inerrant, but you got to experience it. Experience plus Bible equals truth. <laughs> and I found, after like 20 years of that, experience determines what's true in the Bible equals truth. Mm -hmm. Experience kind of became the horse in front of the buggy that leads the buggy, not the driver of yeah. the buggy. Yeah. You know, so, so inerrancy, yeah, but, but as long as the Bible wasn't errant, anything we did with experience passed for truth. Right, if you're in evangelicalism. But if you're in mainline Protestantism, it would have been the other way around, right? Experience is kind of Let's hear what Beth has to say okay. about this. Sorry. I'm really curious. I think that... And by the way, Beth Felger-Jones comes to us from Wheaton College, the bastion yeah, you're, you're, an, you're an alumni. That's right. Wheaton is known as being a place that's more in its head, right, than, yeah. than yes. maybe uh, into heart and hands, though that would be an unfair uh, characterization. Uh, Wheaton has traditionally been a place where uh, doctrine uh, gets thought about a lot. Hmm. So I would never want to deny the key role of experience uh, in helping us to understand truth in our relationship to God and to one another. But I do think it's the case that experience in contemporary evangelicalism and in the contemporary mainline uh, has been and is abused in all kinds of ways to drag us away from the beautiful content of the scriptures, right? And mm. doctrine is about articulating the beautiful content of the scriptures mm. uh, in ways that touch our hearts and our, our hands. Um, experience matters. I think it's it's the genius of evangelicalism, but it's also our Achilles heel in lots of ways. Uh, when somebody's experience becomes normative for everybody's experience, mm. or when experience that seems pretty clearly to contradict scripture uh, is elevated as truth. Hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. You can tell Beth is a theologian because the way she speaks you speak like a theologian uh that's not always I, a compliment i wonder well, how theologians this is, speak well I, lo I love a few of your turn turn of phrases there uh it's the genius of evangelicalism but also the achilles heel i think that's mm. true mm -hmm. yeah. hey uh when i was a little kid going to josh mcdowell meetings okay yeah. he would like go off on evidence demands a verdict and doctrine mm -hmm. and then um and by the way um Josh McDonald always used to get a big sweat ball right at the end of his nose after like preaching. <laughs> a sweat big, ball. Yeah, it would like hang off his nose. And <laughs> That's all you can look at. <laughs> and 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 then he'd go, but you gotta have an experience. Uh, so I, I I prefer encounter over experience because I, I I guess I'm just throwing this out out he, there. I didn't. He's really such think a phenomenologist. But I, I think a encounter points to. You can point to the encounter of the resurrected Christ. The disciples encountered Jesus. I think they also had had an experience of Jesus, but an encounter points to something outside of yourself. <clears throat> I don't know. What, what do you think? I guess I'm just throwing this out um, here to, to think, workshop it. Okay, so I'm going to ask. So, so Beth and I both have this mutual influence. I mean, I don't know how much he influenced you, but he certainly 
influenced me, Stanley Hauer was, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and Stanley, I've heard him blame Wesley and the warmth, the warming of his heart at Aldersgate experience for all the things that went wrong in Methodism, you know? And um, so I actually think uh, maybe we need another word for okay. experience. What do you think, Beth? So are you good with encounter, maybe? Uh-huh. Um, th- th- it could <laughs> work. I, I think that the, the genius of the tradition, the evangelical tradition's focus on experience has been about relationship, right? Mm-hmm. About relationship between God and us. And I think encounter might get at that in, in certain ways. Um, when it stops being about relationship between God and us and starts just being about us, we get into trouble. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, uh, what? T- how much time have we got? Because I got another ten questions. Five minutes. That's it. Oh, mm-hmm. bummer. Okay. Uh, well, I want to get back to. We could try uh, rapid fire. Yeah. Okay. Oh, hey, I, I like that. Um, well, I don't good. know if I'm good at it though, but um, like, what does studying theology with a woman? How does that change, shape, help, like people like Mike and I, mm-hmm. or other people who are women? How does how does that change things? Who you're being taught by always change things, changes mm. things, right? Including the particularities of gender, race, class, location, culture, tradition, denomination, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, on the one hand, doctrine is doctrine. Um, explaining the Nicene Creed is the same, whether you're a woman or a man in certain ways. Hmm. But Our experience, uh uh-oh, I've used that word, uh, (laughs) does affect how we think those things through. And I think a lot of times, just on a more straight-up practical level, it can be really important for people who often don't see someone like them teaching to see someone like them teaching. Uh, I know that uh, for me, uh, there was always a sort of identification with female teachers that was different than identification with male teachers. So I think uh, a diversity of people teaching uh, is good for all of us. Yeah. I have a couple of rapid fire questions I could ask. Go, yes. Okay, I have three questions, but they're all book related. Okay. Okay. What's the first book that you read and you thought, oh, I want to be a theologian? Augustine's Confessions. Oh, great. Not a white guy either. Yeah. What is the one book that you read and you said, I wish I would have wrote that? Ooh, that's a fun question. Um, I don't know that I wish I would have wrote other people's books. I, yeah. I, I have my own things that I feel like are my my territory. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Sorry, pass. No. Hey, it's a good, it's a good answer. Uh, last one. What is the one book that you still want to write? The next book that you want to write? The book I'm working on now is a theology of conversion that makes connections between conversion and doctrine and focuses a lot on the way consent plays a role in hmm. conversion and in the ways doctrine helps us to think about wow. conversion and vice versa. Uh, I think we're at a place in the church where we're feeling really awkward about conversion yeah. and we don't necessarily know how to articulate things well and so i'm excited about that it's yeah, what i feel called to do at the moment that sounds great hey uh i forgot to mention this at the beginning but you are married you have children four uh, of them four children your husband is a pastor he's a united methodist pastor okay so um you really bring a plethora of experiences this isn't just somebody 
sitting in a cloud somewhere up in a room somewhere yeah, thinking through right. theology or in their basement five days a week just doing <laughs> you actually are engaging pastoral issues how does that shape uh your theology in so many ways right mm. um i think one of the first experiences in my husband's pastorate and in our marriage, which really affected me, was his first year of full-time ministry, uh, in which he buried something like 47 people. Wow. Uh, it was just a, a crazy year of, mm. of deaths. Uh, and that reshaped how I think about mm. death, how I think about mm. um how we walk with each other uh, at the end of life. I hope that most theologians are plugged into a church right, in ways that mean church life shaped them. But, you know, getting a little window into the pastoral side from, from one's husband, it does change things a little bit, I think. Yeah. Oh, I think there's no uh, place where you need good theology more than at a funeral. Hmm. Amen. Mm. The so, worst part of being a pastor's wife is getting the children ready for church solo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my mom would say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. You're the uh, son of a pastor, and you are a pastor, and I am a pastor. Anyways, right, yeah. uh, uh, so we at Northern Seminary, this will be my last question, because I think um, Moore's going to give me the, uh, what do you call it, that sign? The, uh, that, yeah. That we got to cut Let's it. finish, yeah. Um, <laughs> how would you differentiate? Northern Seminary, you know, we got Nijay Gupta, we've got Lynn Coick, we've got Scott McKnight teaching biblical studies. We have Ingrid Farrow. Mm -hmm. Marshall Hatch. We got Marshall Hatch, pastoral ministry. Wayne Gordon, pastoral ministry. Have I missed anybody? Yourself, yeah. And Beth and I. Mm -hmm. How would you, and and by the way, we have a whole bunch of other... uh, what do we call yeah, them? excellent adjuncts. Yeah. I, I, I have a word. I have a name for them, which is not just adjunct, but a, col- a college of faculty. I, I have a name for it. I can't remember okay. it right now. But anyways, uh, how would you differentiate Northern theologically from other places? Mm-hmm. Well, that group of colleagues of faculty, I think, uh, says something uh, pretty clear in their persons and in their work. Uh, Northern is a place where truly evangelical theology, in the best sense of the word, I hope, is happening, and a place that's really committed to the connection to the church, to the diverse church, not just to a certain kind of church, um, is happening on the ground uh, in real life, in ways that that shape the place. I'm excited to be a part of that. Well, we're excited to have you. Absolutely. Folks, uh, Beth Felker-Jones, so pleased to have her with us on the program today. And uh, we look forward to a new year starting. If you're interested in uh, applying for a Northern Seminary program of some kind, Mike Moore, do you have any Words of wisdom. Yeah, we're going to have uh, some links in the show notes. I think uh, it's going to be tmappliseminary.edu backslash tmapply. TM? Lo- TM. Would love to have you come study with Beth. 
And with my, Dave, my uh, my son made a joke about trademark the TM trademark. Okay, and I wish I could remember it, but I can't. It's really fun. We'll have to have him on the show next week. Right there. Um, <laughs> okay, well, it's uh, been great to be with you all. Uh, we're going to get back into the regular rhythm of theology on mission podcast come September. But we wanted to uh, grab Beth and have her in the studio uh, as we prepare for the beginning of a new school year. So until then. Uh, Good to have you with us. Uh, give us a review mm-hmm. wherever you listen to Theology on Mission podcast. It always helps. Yeah. And it also boosts Mike Moore's ego, and that's Thank you. important. Absolutely. But, yes. but until then, it's Theology on Mission podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Over and out. Mike Moore. And Dave Fitch. Mm-hmm.